Welcome to Returning Home. I'm your host, Natalie Sapinski. I recorded a few um, narrations for you from my morning walks and from other times this past week. I do not have a guest. It's just me talking. And I'll play for you right now. I hope you enjoy. I want to um, talk about a few things. Last night, we had in Susia a therapy session for women, for mothers, specifically for mothers who have people in the army, meaning sons or husbands. And um, I have been looking for something like this, and I'm surprised it took so long to get something together. And uh, I went, and it was uh, not what I expected. I thought it would be more of a lecture and giving us um, maybe tools and um, updates and that type of that type of uh, thing, that more like a presentation. But what it was was a bunch of women sitting in a circle with food in the table, on the table. And um, there was a leader, a social worker, who um, told us uh, first to introduce ourselves and say who we have in the army. That took forever. There are only 15 women. I say only, but that's a lot to go around a circle and say all that. And then after we did that, and uh, let me just tell you about that real quick. There were some women with six soldiers, maybe four of her own sons, and then two um, son-in-laws, sons-in-law. So that was, and then, and then some people have husbands. There was, there was nobody with one, nobody. Um, you know, I was the smallest amount with two. Anyway, that's one thing I wanted to tell you. And then, and then actually after that, we went around and the social worker asked us to think about and um, then say and share something during these past two months since the war started that has been very challenging and then something that has been good. I think she meant like relaxing or a, a, a happy occasion, something to make us calm. I, I, I don't know. It was, it was the opposite of challenging, okay? That took about an hour and a half. This started at 8.30. This is Moses Shabbat. All right, Moses Shabbat. And you all know Shabbat now is very short. We light candles on Friday at like 4.15. 4.19 was our time this week. Shabbat ended at 5.20-ish. This was at 8.30. I opened the used store, the clothing store. At, I went 6.30 to 8.30. Then right, went to this thing. Anyway, it took forever. And um, people were talking about the, the October 7th. You know, they remember it. And, and everyone had a different uh, experience. Um, people weren't even here. A lot of people weren't here. And um, so it, maybe it was actually therapeutic to hear this. But it just wasn't what I expected, and it took a long time. And um, um, and there was an aspect that a lot of them mentioned that I had m been meaning to share with all of you that I that I learned about. These people were a little older. The women were older than me. Most of them have grandchildren. I think actually all of them have grandchildren that were there. So they were older. These were these were not really like my um, my friends. They weren't my uh, age. Just a little bit older, 
a little, you know, and um, they, like I said, they have grandchildren. So a lot of them, and this goes, this is true for all throughout Israel that I learned about just uh, recently. A lot of people have their married children now living with them since the war or their um, daughters-in-law living with them because all the men are away fighting in the reserves. So they also have the babies and the young children because a lot of these married children live in a different place, all right? And so they've come back to stay with their in-laws. Or at the beginning of the war, everything was closed and there was no daycare. So what has happened is, um, and, and that's one aspect. Also, people, and I just heard this for the first time last night, some people have taken their older parents. If they live in the Gaza area, like Far Maimon is one of these Yishuvim, and some of these other places have older people because these are places where they actually have like, um, um, hmm, like an elder care type of, uh, type of situation there. Um, what do we have in America? Nursing homes, I think they're called. Well, they don't have it. More like independent living villages. Some of these um, border communities have older people in a system like that, in a community like that. And and you probably heard in the news that um, some of the people, the Thai workers, are actually aides to these older uh, Israelis. Some of them are Holocaust survivors. Um, they're you know older people in their 70s, 80s. Some of them were not able to evacuate because they just aren't mobile. And um, some of their aides, these Thai workers, had to leave or, or left for fear because of fear or they just left because of the war. Some of them were even kidnapped. So there is this older population. Um, and so last night, one of the women, who I know very well, very well for years, um, told me and told the group that she actually pulled her parents out of their home, her two older parents. So they're in her house. And also she has married children and the daughters are in her house because the husbands are fighting. Um, so I had heard someone else tell me that and I, and I didn't really understand. Like, whoa, what are you talking about? So people, I mean, you know, it's, it's funny to, to think I'm all by myself. My, my kids are out of the house. And I'm just like, you know, trying not to look at the news. But these people have a house full. It's almost like what happens in a snowstorm. You know, everyone stays home. Except it's even worse or harder because it's not one day or two days. It's already going on two months. And um, it's not, you know, a weather. It's, 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 much, it's much more, more serious. Um, so these people have a house full and, you know... This is going on across all across Israel, so I want you to know that. It wasn't just that I learned this last night. I had learned this earlier, maybe a month ago, someone told me, and um, someone I work with, and I was like, what? And and the, the person I spoke to, an older man in his 60s, told me his wife isn't used to taking care of little kids, and they've had to le let their, their, uh, their housekeeper go because there are now little kids in the house, and I, w I was like, concentrating like wow you have a housekeeper and then I thought oh I understand you're like telling me your whole house now is filled with other people this is going on all over Israel and it's and it's um 
interesting to hear that these are the challenges that people are dealing with, these women who are used to having kind of an empty nest, and maybe on Shabbat they have a, a, a family come and their ch- children come, but now they have them live with them. And it is challenging, you know, when you have work to do, you have to go to work, you have to keep a house clean, you have to cook now, extra food. It is a job. Um, and I wanted to continue on that thought because in my interview with Mark Rosenberg from Nefesh Benefesh, he told us when he was in America, um, you really feel far away. And he even mentioned like when you hear the news, the war in Israel is just one item among like seven others. But here, that's all there is. And that's 100% true. And it's not just news. It's just not in the news. It's on everybody's uh, mind. And that's kind of what you talk about. Um, we got news last night, bad news last night, that Azusia um, Reserve, uh, and I know the family, he got injured, serious injury, uh, a drone uh, up there in Le- Lebanon parts um, fell, and uh, shrapnel, he got shrapnel in him, and he's in the hospital, and it's very serious. Um, you know, that's the news here today, and I... Uh, I'm sure that's going on in every community in Israel. You know, who's hurt, who died, shiva, funerals. That's it. I mean, that's it. That's what's going on. Um, Mark Rosenberg also mentioned that, so that, that aspect about being Israel's war being one item in the news compared to here being it everything. He also said that there in America, um, people are just going about their day. They they go about their normal day. You know, they go to work normal. Everything's like normal. And what's going on here is just one item. Even though, yes, people are very connected. I, it's true. Even friends of mine, I see them writing to me when it's uh, 6 in the morning their time. Um, or uh, is that right? 6 in the morning their time? My time. My time, 6 in the morning. That means they're up at 11 o'clock at night watching the news. Okay, so... They're, they're they're very they're very interested and they're very involved and they're, and they're very they have their 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 what do you say finger on the pulse they do um, but again they have to go through the motions of a normal life uh, some of them have children here I know a friend of mine has a lone soldier here and she's she's very much you know connected but you know she has to go to work in the morning and her morning is not our morning and um, she's getting everything I, I think this is the point everything you get when you're not here is not just secondhand. It's like broadcast through some kind of filter. Whereas if you're living here, you hear about these things from people you know, from your friends. Yes, maybe they got it through the news, but maybe they got it through their commander. Maybe their kid told them. It's much more personal and real. You know, I didn't didn't know how to say what I want to say. So I'm just going to say the way I think it needs to be said. I was in Jerusalem yesterday in some neighborhood, Givat Shaul, and um, walking to meet someone. And uh, any of you who have ever been to Jerusalem, these neighborhoods, I guess it's an older neighborhood. It's uh, so crowded. I mean, people are living on top of each other. Apartments are, you know, apartment after apartment, whatever. Everything's just so crowded there. 
everything, every square inch is built upon. And as I came to the end of this um, neighborhood, it was funny. There it was a hill going up to the right, and it said, "Give." Uh, I said, "Maale Shaul." Um, I, I'm pretty sure Maale is used for like a hilltop. Giva is a hilltop. These words um, you see all the time in different neighborhoods. You'll see a neighborhood, and then you'll see Maale and the neighborhood name, or Givat and the neighborhood name, which just means like you know a little section over here, a little hilltop. So where I live, so so I was telling you, I was walking down the street, I saw this one little area, went up, and you know there's a supermarket there or something, a little incline. It just it was just so funny to see that because, like I told you, every square inch is built up, every centimeter, everything. All right. And there are buses and bus stops and people, you know, there are crossings. And you know this if you go to Yerushalayim. I don't go that often. But every time there's a place to cross the street, there's a button to push and a, and a traffic light and like this whole system. You can't just cross where you want because there's a lot of traffic. And it's like this in every city. Okay, I know. I've been to cities. I know. It's like this in New York City. It's like this in every city. Small cities, big cities. Even some Yeshuvim have this, I'm sure. Okay, but not mine. <laughs> no susia. And it's kind of funny also. I walk out here every morning. I'm out here right now with the dogs. And um, I'll tell you where we are. Any of you who ever come to visit me, I, I've never taken anyone here. I am next to the school, in between the swimming pool and the school. Someone has put up this big tent, a family, and it's a wedding hall. And this is where they have weddings. I'm actually sitting here on one of the picnic tables. So built up for susia is not built up for other places. But I was going to tell you how they had this hill, Ma'ale Shaul. And where I live, we have many hills around us, as I'm talking to you about all the time, if you guys listen. One of them will have one caravan. Now we have three of them with caravans that we considered built up. One of them has many, many houses now. It's called the Rujum. I've brought many of you here. Maybe, you know, 15 homes. Real homes, built homes started out as caravans and one person has a farm and then um we have another hill with um two now three houses that's where i had my son's bar mitzvah uh it's the goat hill it's called hadegel they call it because it's a flag hill and uh, we have a soldier on each one of these hills another hill we have now called um hmm, forget what it's called has uh, a pergola and a picnic bench and um, now three also caravans. And then now one other hill has, uh, and that also has a, a pillbox, a soldier. And now another hill, we have a uh, pergola and a, a pillbox. And um, is there a house? No, not a house yet, but there will be, there will be. And um, now uh, another one, a fourth. So it's very exciting. Anyway, that's what we, that's our hills. You know, like <laughs> one caravan, maybe uh, a, a picnic bench and a pergola. That's how it starts. A pergola and a picnic bench and a, and a soldier. And, and usually there's a well nearby, a boar, okay? Um, then across the street from Susia, another place I go with the dogs, is called the boar ha'adom, the red hole. A boar is a hole, a water hole, okay? It's a well. And this is another place where there's a pergola, a picnic bench, a swing... And people go there and do fires. Um, and that's, uh, th- all this is ours. All this is, is Jewish land that um, we need people to come and live on. And I'm walking through Giva Shaul in Yerushalayim, 
with the traffic lights and the stop signs and the buttons you push to cross the street. I mean, that's how busy it is. And I see people living on one on top of another. You know, we don't have any apartments here. One on top of another, you know, I, I'm counting them like, wow, four across, four up, 16 families in this one block. And then the next one, same type of thing. And big families, okay? I know these are big families, you know, six kids, seven kids. And all I'm thinking is, why, why, why aren't they coming to live here? There is so much room. You don't have to push a button to cross the street. You don't need to live one on top of another. I have a big yard. There's lots of space here. Why aren't more Jews coming out to live here? And then I thought, uh, you know, I'm not doing a very good job. I'm not meeting enough people. And I must not be sharing enough information with enough people of how great it is to live out here. We even have medics. We even have volunteer medics. That's who I represent. So you're not alone here if something happens to you. You know? You call 101 and our medics who live here, and some of them might be your neighbors, will run and help you, and they have equipment. And then they'll call for the ambulance for you, and it might be in your yeshuv. So that's just, I, I just don't get it. Is it because people don't have a sense of adventure or people are afraid? And I'll add one more comment. I was sitting with someone and behind them in their office were photos of uh, an old fortress where um, shepherds used to stay overnight with their flocks and where people used to live. So the people would live in the, in the bigger structure and connected was this lower structure out of stone. And I asked that person what it was and they started telling me the history and everything and explained, yes, this is where shepherds used to come and where people would stay when they were traveling to Jerusalem. Because to get to Jerusalem it took more time. And... Um, and it looks, and I told him, it looks just like what I walk to every morning. Called the Rujum. I walk the dogs out there. And we have also people who go into the caves underneath because it's like a 10 degree difference underneath in those caves. Like the caves are really warm now. It's nice. And in the summer, the caves are really cool. Um, these are all over the place here. And uh, it was just so funny because the picture I was looking at was old. And they explained to me this was the period of the Hashmonaim and um, then there was another picture of the Mamluks how they changed it and made it some kind of limestone pit and there was fire coming out of it and these are these are paintings uh, right they weren't they weren't actual photographs I don't think but I think they're paintings and in any case that was history on his wall and this is what I live in so out here in Yudan Shimon, we are way underdeveloped. And there's good in that and there's bad in that. The good in that is, it's just beautiful out here. There's so much space. You know, five minutes from my house, I'm on the edge. I had a friend here from a frat. I took her on a walk. She had her gun with her. I told her, you don't need your gun. She brought it anyway. 
And I took pictures, we took pictures, and we went to the well together, and we made a coffee, and it was too cold for her to go swimming. But um, she was always looking around, always looking around her. Is it okay? She, I said, you, you, it's fine. Nobody's, nothing's going to happen. Nobody's. But she couldn't believe how quickly and how remote we were. And yeah, when you are not in a town surrounded by pavement and traffic lights and, you know, cement and um, industry and civilization, yeah, it's, it's you and nature. And it's so great and it's so freeing and it's so refreshing. And especially someone in the city who's always in the city. It doesn't matter if it's a city like Jerusalem or if it's a big built or it's a built up yeshuv like Efrat. Here, a small yeshuv, a small place, five minutes from your house, a little walk, and you're alone and you have quiet and you can go to a well, you know, and you can, you know, let your dogs roam. You can let them off a leash. And it's so, it's so great. There's so much space. Maybe, uh, you know, it says something for not building up everything so quickly. Look, we need more people here. That's not a question. Yudan Shamron is the, I'm telling you, everyone listening, and I have no um, problem saying this, but is the most beautiful part of Israel. And when I came to Susia, I remember thinking, what a secret. What a secret that these people have, and they've kept it. Because, wow, people really aren't coming. They're not coming here in droves. This is a secret. This is a secret, very rich life, an amazing life. You know, these small villages, these small Jewish yeshuvim are the best. And if you want to have an enriching life and, and, and have a small community, a very strong, close community, and it doesn't matter if you're not Israeli or not, it's just harder. But it's not impossible. And, you know, nothing worth doing is easy. Um, you can do it. If you're ready for the adventure of moving to Israel and living a full Jewish life and a different kind of life, come to a small yeshuv. Learn Hebrew. Learn Hebrew now. Start. Learn basic Hebrew. How to get by. How to buy things in the store. How to ask for change. How to ask directions. How to say nice things. You know, how to give. Giving words. How can I help? Not just questions of help, not just being a recipient, but learn to be a giver. Because when you're a giver, it doesn't matter what language you speak. Yesterday, I was um, communicating with someone in America, down in Florida, and I told them, it was a rabbi, that my director has told me that the war will go on for a year, another year, and that I should start flying and uh, visit donors and supporters and new people in America and speak about what we're doing and how we're holding up and give them some insights of life here, which is what I do. So I was speaking to a few people about it and some people are helping me out and saying, yes, come and all this type of thing because I've had to be on Zoom for the past um, two months. And uh, I canceled my flight when the war came on. This one rabbi said something that is just in my head, and it was so hard to hear. And he was just being honest, and he didn't mean to be hurtful, but it was hurtful. 
he said that people are already tired of the war and they're busy with other things and he can't predict who would come to hear updates from me. And he doesn't want to make any promises and he told me not to count on him and not to make a special trip. My calendar is full for January. Anyway, I was just disgusted. I was like, wow, we just, we are so far apart. What he's saying is that they cannot maintain the momentum to care about Israel, to care about us. Now, you know what? We all here in Israel, yeah, we've had to go back to work and we have to maintain our lives and get our cars registered and do our normal testing and go do our jobs and make food and go shopping and fill the gas tank, do the laundry, take showers, walk the dogs, go to the vet, you know, do our doctor's appointments and do all our normal lives. And what we're doing is we're, you know, I inject, I may have told you every week I go to a farm and I pick fruit or I pick something, a vegetable or a plant. I do want to, I do that once a week. A lot of people do. So yes, we've had to also, in a way, go back to our normal lives, but nothing here is normal. Our kids are at war. I am inundated. We all are with updates and news. And that is the state of things here. Things are not normal, okay? In good ways and bad ways. There are no more Arabs who are working in Susia. There are no more Arab workers at the checkpoints going to Beersheba. That is amazing and awesome. Um, although yesterday I did read that 8,000 workers have been let into Judea and Samaria under the radar in different places. Really disgusting. But our boys, you know, are dying. And we're also being inundated with funeral notices and the notices of the wounded and people in hospitals and, and shiva calls. It's awful. So we have to maintain the momentum for our boys. My boys uh, finally coming home tomorrow for 24 hours. And, um, you know, I made a sign last night. I made cookies. I made a lasagna. Today I'm going to redo his cabinet in his room. Um, I'm going to have a full house for the first time since, I guess, since um, uh, Sukkot. And, um, but, you know, it's not just I'm going to have a full house and the kids are all home. I've had two boys at war. One boy in Gaza and without contact for us. And, and we don't know what he's seen. You know, the last time he was home, the kids asked him, or when we saw him, we, he didn't come home. We had a four-hour visit at his base before he went into Gaza. And the kids asked him, have you killed anyone? And, you know, you know, people change from war. Boys change. They are not the same boys when they left home. And, you know, going back to speaking about keeping up momentum, it's very important. It's so important. Because this is going to be a long war. And we do have a very, very strong enemy. I don't care what people say. They're cowards. They're weak. I'm sorry. They're all over the place. They have one goal. They have one mission. And they're determined. The Arabs are determined to wipe us out. And our boys are not soldiers. They were not born and bred to be soldiers. They do it because they have to. So when I hear from Americans, from this one American, and I'm sure he's just 
being honest. And I'm sure he's telling me what is the truth and what many, many Americans feel, that they're tired of the war, that they're busy, that they've gone back to work. I heard someone say um, in an interview last week, the war here is just one item on the news out of many others. So yeah, I guess the momentum over there is hard. But you know what? This is our country. This is the only Jewish country in the world. Nobody else is helping us. America's helping us with weapons, but there's a price to pay for that. They're also helping Gaza, and they're letting in humanitarian aid to them, and that prisoner exchange was ridiculous. We got one hostage, and they got three criminals, terrorists. How's that fair? This is horrible. This is a nightmare. This is awful. And our children are paying the price. And we're paying the price. And to say, we're busy, our schedule's full, the people are tired of war, was horrible to hear. It was so painful to hear. And, you know, if that's how you feel, I don't want to come there. Well, I'm sorry to add things on a sad note, or a bad note, the last portion I recorded, it's just too windy and you can barely hear it. So I had to cut it. Um, and, um, that's it. That's all I've recorded this week. It's been a hard week, but very exciting at the end when we, uh, we did have our son come home. It was a really big deal. It was all over the news. The paratroopers, um, are a very well-known unit. They're known for their, uh, call after me and they have these red boots and they're very loyal and they're very good fighters. And our second son is one of them. So when they were released on Thursday, there was news cameras and all just tons and like hundreds of parents were there at the base and applauding them and everything it was very exciting. They're the last group to be let out um, for a visit home. So he came home for Shabbat and he is already back. He already went back. It was a quick visit. He seemed fine. Didn't talk too much, but he seemed okay. And we did get a family picture, so that was great. So thank you all for listening, and if any of you want to um, send in your comments, please do write to me at natalie at israelnewstalkradio.com. I love hearing from you all, um, even the ones who have some criticism is fine. Send me good things, send me bad things, any suggestions for the show are welcome, and I'll speak to you all next week. Have a great week.